Next Chapter Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go. Talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. Take my money, Morrissey, because I am a fan of your band now. Took 41 years. All right, realistically, how long did it take? Because how long have I been listening to music? Probably since I was like six. I don't know the math, people, because I'm a dumb, dumb, stupid face, but let's say, let's round up 35. That is good math. 35 years of not liking the Smiths. And now I'm a fan. And this that's the that's the song on the record. That was the one. That was the one that flipped me. It's called London. It's by The Smiths from the 1987 album Louder Than Bombs. It's also number 369 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Hey, that's me. What's up, please, Army? Yo, if you turn on a podcast and hear experts talk about music, you're listening to the wrong podcast. I mean, how many episodes? 131. Yo, this weekend, I am in Arizona at the House of Comedy, headlining six shows. Come on, party people. Then I'll be in New York City from the 17th until June 23rd. I'll be doing The Cellar, The Stand a lot. I'll be at The Stand almost every single night. New York Comedy Club, Stand Up New York. Thursday, June 24th, I'll be at the St. Louis Funny Bone uh, through Sunday, June 27th. And then I'll be at the DC Comedy Loft August 5th through Saturday, August 7th in Washington, D.C. Let's go to a Nats game together. Come on, people. Let's go get some crab cakes and let's have some fun. Thursday, September 9th, I'll be in Vancouver at, I guess, their house of comedy through Sunday, uh, September 12th. And what else do I have? 
Oh, Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas in September. I don't know the exact dates. I'll be at Eric uh, and Rebecca's Meth Syndicate Wedding in Boston, October 21st. I'm just looking at my calendar now. Did you guys know that Monday, October 11th was Indigenous Peoples Day? And I'll be at Skankfest South in Houston, November 5th through the 7th. I got more and more dates being added as we speak. Come out, people. Come out. Come out wherever you are. All right. Join the Patreon. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. All right. Let's talk about this record. Like I said earlier, the Smiths are that band that I made fun of for years and years and years and years and years. And maybe it just wasn't ready. You know, sometimes music doesn't get you right away. But sometimes you sit down with people that love a band and it converts you. It says, you know, you've been looking at it the wrong way. Open your eyes. Expand your mind a little bit. Flow with the music, which is difficult to do sometimes, especially when you're younger. When you're younger, you're closed off. You're like, this band stinks. That is in the full gambit of the world why this podcast is important to me. A lot of reasons I don't like it, but the main reason I dig it is because... Sometimes you just get it. And you know who gets it? My guest. The one and only Lil Mikey Rosenbaum. Or Baum. Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, I mean, how do you not know him? He's an incredible actor. Uh, you've seen him on Smallville, Imposter. He's been in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He's also an incredible podcaster. His podcast inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum is uh, him sitting down, talking about life, talking about disorders, talking about everything with some really, really famous people. And uh, he gets to the bottom. He gets inside of them. Uh, and this is a dude that I've known for years and... Uh, he's friends with Morty, and we were looking for a guest, and and he came through. And I, we had so much fun recording this. Man, oh man, Ashevitz, this is why I do it. When you talk to people that love life, love you, and you love them back, man. Great episode. But you should rate, review, and subscribe to The 500, okay? Please. If you're listening on Apple, please, please, I'm begging you, leave a review, a review, and a rating of five stizzers. Uh, or stars follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com follow the Facebook group the 500 podcast with jam run by my buddy uh, lunatic batshit crazy Evan and for all things 500 go to our website the 500 podcast.com also uh, if you want tickets I forgot to say it earlier go to my website Josh you'll find links to everything joshadammyers.com follow me on Soch I'm so close to 20,000 man and I I feel like a lose-lose if I don't break 20,000 soon for some reason it was crazy because you'll gain like you'll look at your feed and you're getting like follow 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 you're like holy shit I got like 60-70 people follow me today and then 70 unfollow you those are the ones you don't see so you're like oh my god I'm like I'm, I'm, I'm killing it today nope you're actually in the in the red all right, guys, nothing left to say, but... Oh, here we go with number 369 with Louder Than Bombs by the Smiths. What's up, Fleece Army? Before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about our incredible sponsor, Sunset Lake CBD. Now, 
Everybody's telling you about their CBD product. Ours is the best. Take away the pain. Take away the aches. Take away the pain. The pakes. A combo of both. You got anxiety? Because we're going to get rid of it. We're CBD Jenkins. Well, fuck all of them. Because we have the best CBD on the market. So this company started in Vermont, originally producing uh, Vermont Dairy. Which Vermont is known for its dairy because that's where Ben and Jerry's is from and this company worked for them. But then they figured out that they could start growing incredible hemp to use for CBD. They saw the CBD boom and what did they do? They put everything into it. And what did they create? They made, I mean this guys, probably the greatest CBD products I've definitely ever had. They sent me a whole box full of everything and I'll tell you, they have everything. They have pre-rolls, hemp cigars, hemp flour if you want to smoke. They have tinctures, which I use daily and it really does take away the aches and pains and the anxiety. I give it to my dog too. She's super chill. The gummies are so good, I want to eat 10 of them. And the flower is great too, guys. If you want to get rid of that stress, the anxiety, all the pains, Sunset Lake CBD is for you. It'll save you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. No middleman. And we're going to give you 20% off all products with code JAM500. So go to sunsetlakecbd.com. Use promo code JAM500, J-A-M-500, for 20% off all products. And now, uh, back to the past. It's such a funny thing to have you on for the Smiths because the Smiths lyrically are so depressing and you are like human Prozac. Like no, <laughs> Josh. I look. I have anxiety. I talk about anxiety in my podcast and depression and facing adversity. And like, I had a, uh, an actor from the lead actor on Arrow have an anxiety attack on my podcast, and he let me air it. Oh, wow. He had a full on. He had to leave. He's like, I'm having an anxiety attack. I don't know what to do. So I, I my mom is like a manic depressive. I, you know, she's like she's. So I grew up on like listening to her do imaginary snow angels in the carpet in the living room, listening to Barbara Streisand, crying her ears off, (laughs) you know, and so I grew up on that uh, in the juxtaposition of of my father listening to like Zeppelin and, uh, you know, Hendrix. And so I had like a little mixture of both. I was kind of all over the place. And, you know, that sadness, that innate sadness, I mean, I was always looking I, I always like fed into that. Like, I'm like, this person understands me. I remember listening to uh, the fix in my attic and I played that, that song saved by zero over and over and over again while my parents are arguing downstairs. And I didn't know till 20 years later that saved by zero actually means you're saved by zero. You're saved by the ground. You can't go any lower. You're essentially saved by the ground. And so I was like, I always, my, my therapist tells me you probably shouldn't listen to these songs over and over again. Like if you leave me now by Chicago, I know you love the song, but you know, so I do love sad music. I do love great lyrics. I'm always thinking of lyrics and things and Morrissey, uh, who, you know, we'll talk about later, uh, you know, certainly is the essential lyricist to say the least. I just love that. I just love in one room. It's like, Hey, Hey mom, I said the way you move, you go downstairs and it's, and we got nothing to be guilty of. I'm telling you, that was it. That was it. That was my family, man. They just, you know, I, but I listen to like Morty and I share the love of Dan Fogelberg 
and yeah, uh, some great musicians. And, and uh, so it was kind of the best of both worlds because you weren't just you're were getting kind of some great songwriters who are a little bit easy going, easy listening. And then you were getting the hard stuff. And it was a nice kind of, uh, you know, middle ground for me. So where do the so where do the Smiths fit into this? So tell me about your history with them. I didn't really follow the Smiths until what's funny is I, I, I don't remember any of the songs, but I remember trying to fit in in high school and I was like listening to all kinds of music. But then there were these punks who had these DRI shirts, the dirty rotten imbeciles. And I was like, Oh, I want one. I want to be with those guys and listen to their music. And then I'd listen to, so I was just trying to fit in. And it wasn't until pretty much after college, one of my friends said, man, you should go to see Morrissey with me. And this was in the nineties. And uh, I was like, Morrissey, uh, he died. He was Morrison. He's been dead for no Morrissey. Yeah. And the Smiths, and I really didn't know a lot about them. And I went to a concert, and it was hypnotic. It was, I am a heterosexual man, but for some reason, I wanted to, like, make out with Morrissey. He just conveys, exudes this lovable ambiguity, sad, sort of enigmatic, whatever it is, that I just was drawn to. It was like, you know, people say he's the Frank Sinatra of alternative music. And wow, I just was drawn to it. And some of these songs, I remember them playing like, you know, even older songs from like uh, My Arsenal, which was like, you know, I think, I think Ouija Board and uh, was Ouija Board My Arsenal? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I forget which album that is, but yeah. It well, wasn't I- Voxel and I, but I think it was My Arsenal. And I just remember going, wow, I got to do some research on the Smiths. And that's when I started going back and listening to the Smiths going, wow, this was a special time. This is a very special band. And uh, although I don't know, you know, there's, there's people I go to these, I go to the Smiths convention every year. It's called the Smiths convention in LA. My friend Ray, who runs chaos records in Covina, who more do you know, um, he throws a Smiths convention. So it's Smiths cover bands. And, you know, some, one time they got one of the original drummers and, uh, you know, and they have this, and it's just a blast. So I, I go to that every year and, uh, I just, I became a Smiths fan. I, I really did. Are you trying to say you're like this light Smiths man? You're like, I'm, I'm, I have my own booth set up at the Smiths convention. I pass out these weird flowers. But they know everything, uh, Josh. <laughs> they have, they have trivia night where yeah. they sit there and they ask these questions. People go, uh, they're like, uh, half a person before uh, one note, half a person. Uh, that's meat is murder. They, they just, they can go to it. And I'm like, wow, I don't, these guys. So if those guys are listening, we love you. I love you. Yeah, I love we do. Smiths, but And, and this is, this is like I've, two things. Uh, so much like your first concert, I didn't go to see Morrissey, but I always remember the two hot alternative girls that I used to smoke cigarettes with at the smoking section at Seneca Valley high school, went to go see Morrissey at the nine 30 club. And the next day at the smoking section, they were just like obsessed. I mean, it was like, he was the sexiest man in the world. And I was like, this fucking the Morrissey. Really? I always thought this was like lame music. And then as I've gotten older, still never listened to it. But dude, like you said, so many people are obsessed Obsessed. With this band, upset dude, like Adam Egit from the the Booker of the Comedy Store, obsessed with them, and the Sklar Brothers, and there's so many people. So just so everybody knows, we're gonna give it justice because for years I did not like the Smiths. With this record, I became a Smiths fan. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think a lot of people, will tell me if I'm wrong, but you know they'll say, you know, 
there's so many other albums. Like I think of a favorite is Strange Ways, like the diehards will, you know, love or Queen is Dead, which really got him famous. But um, they go back to this album and this wasn't really one of their albums. This is like in between, you know, and but this had a collection of songs that just I mean, just I, I, don't, I, I mean, I, you just can't stop listening to them. You know, 100%, 100%. This is, this is, I'm telling you, it's like, I hate, I didn't hate because that's such a strong word. I just couldn't feel it. Even when we did, what was Morty? What was the last record we did? We did the first album with, uh, with Christina P. Which all of their records, all four of their studio records are on and this compilation. So you can see why they're such an important band. And when I hear this, I'm like, oh no, I get it now. I totally get it. They changed music in, in their genre. And, and yes, I agree. Uh, Morrissey is the alternative Frank Sinatra. He is yeah. a crooner. He is, he is, uh, he's got a little Brian Ferry in him. Am I right? You love Brian Ferry. He yeah. was a big fan of Brian Ferry. Roxy, well, yeah. Roxy music. music. See, now you're seeing the connective tissue. I'm seeing it. It's like, I can't stop doing Between this. I got see how this every episode you're like, I don't know why they put those five records in a row. And then you're like, I get it. I get it. Body Wattel played on those five. These guys did. What year do we go see Morrissey, Rosie? We saw them, what, 2006 or something? When I saw them with you, it was probably 2006. Yeah. Something like that. The amphitheater. Yeah. R.I.P. Were you with me when I got to come up to me? I go, I mean, I just, Smallville had just started and I was bald as a fucking, as a ass lick. (laughs) What the hell is that? And I remember just going up to him and going, Morrissey, Morrissey, my, my name is Michael Rosenbaum. I'm, I'm on the show, and I, I'm a big fan of yours. And I just was like, I just had to meet him. I was starstruck. And he was like, oh, hello, hello. And he reached out his hand, and he shook my hand and smiled and laughed. And I was like, oh! My friend was like, dude, you touched Morrissey. It was like, I was, he was like a beetle. I was like, I'm, I'm a heterosexual dude, and I was in love with this guy. It was the weirdest thing. I was hoping you were going to say, and so I go to reach and touch him, and he goes, you smell like a pulled pork sandwich. Get away from me. And then he walked <laughs> off, and you're like, oh, bye. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. All right, well, here, here uh, Morty, why don't you tell us about this record? All right, so it's released on March 30th, 1987 on Sire Records in the U.S., and then in May on, on Rough Trade Records in the U.K. It's produced by the band and various producers. This is a double compilation of singles, B-sides, alternate mixes, outtakes, and live tracks by the British post-punk indie alternative proto-goth rock group. So we already did The Smiths, the first album with Christina P. Michael said it. They only had four studio albums, so we did that one. 
So the Smiths were formed in Manchester, England in 1982 by vocalist, lyricist Stephen Patrick Morrissey and guitarist, composer Johnny Marr with the solid, solid rhythm section of Andy Rourke on bass and Mike Joyce on drums. And then later in this compilation, Craig Gannon comes on as, as a guitar player for a few of it. I'll tell you when that happens. So uh, Morrissey, as he came to be known mononymously, had his roots in the British tradition of dandified intellectual and fiercely literate humorists like Oscar Wilde. And How Noel often Gallagher. do we get to use the adjective dandified? I want to see you guys catch me on mononymously. I was like, that was oh, the no, one I, I thought, thought you'd too. catch me. Dude, dude, the words, you know, Rosie, I mean, you've known Morty, the words that are going to come out oh, yeah. throughout this podcast are going to be like, it's what only, the fuck is, why are we talking about mummification? It's only a matter <laughs> of time before he brings out propensity and other. Oh, I'm, I got it. <laughs> My back pocket. So Morrissey's propensity <laughs> for the gender bending, <laughs> his, his propensity for gender bending and cutting edge musical artists like New York Dolls, Roxy Music, Iggy and the Stooges, and Patti Smith, legendary. About 10 years after Glamrock's fluid sexuality and androgyny really stomped on the scene like we did with Mott the Hoople, Morrissey arrives to offer the pop world something truly new a self-proclaimed asexual sex symbol who was lovably unlovable. Uh, his lyrics could be witty, maudlin, caustic, and performatively personal all in the same, all in the same song. So the teenage Johnny Marr, in the teenage Johnny Marr, Morrissey found an accomplished accomplice whose inventive composing and guitar playing merged the jangle of the 60s with a rockabilly 50s twang and then the slinky chunka chunka of 70s soul and funk, all while shooing the synthesizers and other electronic instruments of their contemporaries, which is a big thing. You'll notice like at that time in the 80s, everything was Tom, like what we love, Thompson Twins and The Fix and everything. And there's a band that's a guitar band. Like that's primarily about them, which is really big. They were simultaneously unique and classic, and they didn't just make fans, they converted fanatics. So the intention of this set was to gather songs from their first two UK compilations. Uh, it was a few from 1984's Hatful of Hollow, and then most of 1987's The World Won't Listen, and then make them available to the rapidly growing American fan base who were clamoring for them through imports. But ironically, this became so popular as an import in America that they were forced to release it domestically in England as well. And then right as the wave of Smith fever was about to crest, they broke up at the end of 87 right before their fourth album, Strange Ways Here We Come, came out. They only released those four albums along with these singles and live stuffs and absolutely energized and transformed the 80s British indie music scene. They've influenced countless artists from Radiohead, Oasis, Jeff Buckley, Muse, Arcade Fire, Deftones, even Andre 3000 from Outkast. It's so, not to cut you off, but that is so crazy that you just said all of those bands. Cause as you were, it's, especially Deftones, dude, I'm like, holy shit, dude. Deftones is just the Smiths with a kachunka. With, yeah. like with like a real caca. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, you see that in that, you know? And then and so right at this point, Morrissey's already jumped onto his solo career. So a lot of people don't even see the bridge. Strange Ways comes out. And then in America, it's like he's already popping with stuff. Uh, his solo career stays solid for like 20 years. Johnny played with Talking Heads, The The, Electronic, and then The Pretenders, as well as his own stuff. And There's, The Good, The Bad, and The Queen. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, the shit with, what's I, his face? There's worth listening to, but you know, then we get into like, there's, there's uh, lawsuits and then there's sniping at each other and the press and Morrissey's almost gleeful desire for controversy, which will likely come up at yeah. some point. Fans yeah, are sad. still praying. Sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Because so, yeah. From, you know, Johnny Mars and Morrissey and there's this, 
hatred, I guess. And it's it you know, sucks. And supposedly, you know, Morrissey was in this little band, and um, the lead singer of the Colt or something introduced Morrissey to Billy John. Billy Duffy, the guitar Billy player. Billy Duffy told Johnny Morris, "Hey, go visit this guy. He's pretty incredible." And they became best friends, and they worked so well together. And you know. Johnny pretty much did. A, I hear what I've read is like he did all the work. He, you know, he was like the music, the music he, recording, you know, he was music managing guy. everything, and all these guys just had to do what they had to do. And um, it's a shame because, yeah, I, I think everybody would just go nuts if they got back together. That's it. I mean, the fans have been clamoring for them to have a reunion, and although the outlook is absolutely bleak, I think I can say this because I've known both you guys before these things. People said the same thing about Guns and Roses. They said the same thing about the replacements. They said the same thing about Fleetwood Mac. So listen, as long as as long as they're not dead, I say you know maybe Coachella twenty three. I don't know. I think I, maybe from what I know, it won't I think be from what the, I know, the Golden section. Girls have a better chance of getting back together there, than well. the Smiths do. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I agree with you. I agree with you because when you go to these concerts now, you see the mentality and I'm not bashing Morrissey, but I get angry. I go to a concert. I'm like, God, he didn't play really anything old. Like you forget that what made you famous, that like it's so important to the fans. Like they, they love you. They idolize you play a couple of the, he doesn't, he rarely, rarely plays anything. Like I've been, oh, like where he plays not one. Oh, uh, okay. I've never noticed. That. I, I, I've, I've seen been him. to those. Yeah. I've been to those. And I just, you know, I, I don't understand. I know that he wants, you know, he wants to differentiate himself and, you know, but it, it bothers a lot of people and people keep going and the whole, you know, you go to a concert to disappear and to just get you know captivated and caught up in this music, and then you have these videos of these animals getting slaughtered for forty minutes, and I'm all about <laughs> stopping animal cruelty. But when for it's sure. forty minutes, I am really in a sad mood now. I'm just I don't even like I want to go home. I I would love it because I'm pro cruel. I'm pro cruelty. <laughs> Before we get into the album, what I want—I gotta say this because JT's here, and you mentioned the Deftones. JT, remember when you were working for DC 101, and we went to that Deftones show, and it was so packed, and like, remember we were like holding on to each other because we—if we lost each other, like it was like. Yeah. It was like literally like a scene from like Sophie's Choice where I had to like let go of JT because the crowd was separating <laughs> us. And I was like, nah, yeah. dude, yeah. well, I walked out. My, my jeans have never been wetter <laughs> from the sweat. It was crazy. I never we went and had a bold pork though. sandwich. Huh? I never connected the dots though. Deftones to Morrissey. Like it makes a ton of sense the, the way you ton of sense. It. Arcade Fire. Some of the other ones like Radiohead. Yeah. But, but here, let's, let's just dive into it because this, we, so, so there's like, uh, Morty, how many songs are actually on the full record? Oh, uh, I didn't look at it. I don't have it in front of me, but it's like something like, yeah, it's something like 21 or something on there. I think there's more. Than I, had that, cut, I had to cut. I had to cut. I had to, I, you know, I love the Smiths. I, I was sort of going through going like, Oh, I, we can't do all of it, but I really want to hit on because I know fans, like we said, the fans out there, if you guys love the Smiths, trust, we tried to do as many. When we're done, we'll know how many, but we really agonized. 24. I think there's 24. 24. Okay. On the album. There's yeah. 24. Oscillate Wildly is a, is a, is a, I tried to cut off the covers and I didn't do the instrumentals because how do you guys, oh yeah, it's a great instrumental. But this you know, really is, get... dude, this really is a great record. I know it it's is. a compilation, but it has a vibe. And it feels like it's actually something that they sat down and were like, this is going to be our concept record. I mean, it flows really well. So so let's take it right from the top. It opens with, uh, is it really so strange? 
Uh, so this is the travelogue and living experiences of Maurice's friend Linda, who left Manchester for London when her art exhibition was moved before returning. Uh, so this is about his friend, but why did he say this? So go ahead and play it, JT. Oh, yes, you can punch me, and you can book me, and you can break my spine, but you won't change the way I feel, cause I love you. So, so, so you can butt me, you can break my spine, you can punch me. What, like, this is a toxic relationship, if I've ever heard of Well, he says yes, uh, he or she, he or she says no. <laughs> is it really so strange that I love you this much? Uh, yeah, it's fucking strange, man. You're going to get punched in the face and you're going to get brutalized and because you just keep coming after? I don't know. I mean, what do you think there, Mort? I mean, here's the thing about Morrissey. He, you, we talked about this. There's a lot of literary allusions and I'll try to hit as many as possible. And he's like a lot of other artists. He'll just outright steal stuff, great lines, and he'll put them in. And then forever people will be like, Morris, he said that. You can go back. And he exaggerates. He exaggerates. Yeah, and he's histrionic. He's, yeah, yeah, like yeah. when I said about damnified, he is every bit flamboyant in every bit of this. You know, you, you, you'll cut my throat out. Like it's, <laughs> it's just as big, you know, he's, uh, you know, he, it's, it's, grandiose you Very know but grandiose. i mean he has an art i mean he has a thing dude you know i mean look, uh, would you love someone that much you know you'll do whatever i guess for sure man <laughs> for sure I've, I've dated a couple girls that broke my spine and butted me i don't want to know what butt me is headbutt that's probably uh, what are they, butt me is are they talking about pegging i mean were they doing that back in 86 87 so, so speaking of toxic, uh, but more on the on the shock of what we just read. So, you're born in New York, but you're raised in Indiana. So, yeah, was that was that a strange culture shock for a Jewish kid from Oceanside? I mean, I was like eight years old when we left, and um, I guess so. It was just, uh, you know, when you're that young, I think you adjust quickly. I I just remember being a kid, and you know, my dad mowing the lawn, and I and just going, I have no friends. He's like, go down the block and knock on everybody's door and ask him if they have the kid your age. And I just kept knocking on doors. No, no, no. Danny. And Danny became my friend. He was a kid my age. And the mother had a cigarette. And she's like, Danny. And he started playing <laughs> with me. And that was, it was, it was hard to adjust. But um, I, I always found a way to adjust and make the best of everything. I think I, I, I don't know. I learned that. So I don't remember it being that difficult. I think it was more difficult for my sister. You know, they were Jews. We, you know, we were Jews, but not religious or anything, but. There were a couple of incidents where my sister, somebody threw a quarter down the hallway and said, fetch it, Jew. But it wasn't constant. And it was just like a couple of bullies. And um, but uh, yeah, they were like, how do you how do they know that I'm Jewish? Oh, yeah. I'm wearing my tallis and yarmulke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rosenbaum. <laughs> yeah, Once and for all, just so we have this, I you pronounce it Rosenbaum. But I hear Rosenbaum. And so just once and for all, because I know friends of yours that have known you forever that still, while we're having a conversation, will say, you know, Rosenbaum. Because know, it's just like, I, it's my fault. Rosenbaum right. just comes off the tongue. It just rolls right off. It's like, hey, Rosenbaum, who wants to go? Hey, Rosenbaum. Right. And, and my, dad, Baum? my dad yelled at me once because he said, I go, I go, uh, Rosenbaum to the, the waitress or something for a table. He goes, what's your name? I go, what, Michael? He goes, what's your last name? I go, are you kidding me, Rosenbaum? He goes, Rosenbaum, your name's Rosenbaum. 
Are you fucking kidding me? It's Rosenbaum. I go, yeah, well, I'm not saying Rosenbaum. I don't want my mouth to go I like that. And that was the end of it. I mean, you know, it was just like, but it is Rosenbaum. I say Rosenbaum. Right. It's kind of funny. I'm the bomb. I'm not. Yeah. The bomb. Rosenbaum. You like, it's it's like, more fun. Dude, I love Rosie, dude. Rosie, Rosie, that is so dope. How did your dad? How like how tough was it for your dad to yell at you uh, over the seven minute uh, guitar solo from Freebird? Like, was it (laughs) was it hard? (laughs) My dad, my dad was a hippie. He went to Woodstock, and he uh, he he was just he was a real disciplinarian too. Like, if I ever catch you drinking or smoking, you're going to a halfway house. End end of the conversation. You're out of the house. He was so hard on me about those things, and then I then one time I had a. Uh, I went to his old dentist who actually had his dentist office in at his house in Long Island. And so you go through a side door and it was fight tooth decay with Dr. J. And I went into this guy's place and it, one, it wasn't sanitary or whatever. And I'm sitting there talking to him and I'm like, hey, Jay, was my dad always so like really tight and just, you know, didn't drink, didn't smoke? He goes, are you fucking kidding me? Your dad whipped his dick out. Your dad, I'm like, What? No, he goes, oh, yeah, your dad was a riot. He used to do acid. I think he created acid. Like, I'm like, what? (laughs) So I confronted my dad about it. I said, listen, if we're going to build our relationship on lies, I don't want any part of it. He goes, what do you want to know? Did you do drugs, dad? Yeah, I did drugs. Is that what you want to hear? Did you do a lot of them? Yeah. Did you go out with girls? Did you have sex with girls? Yeah, I had sex with a lot of girls. What do you want to know? And all of a sudden, like I'm 24, he comes clean and was like, yeah, I lived. I fucking partied. I did it. And for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, he's human. This is this is kind of cool. It was just a, a definitely an awakening. He's like, he's like, did he answer all the questions? Can I go back to listening to Black Sabbath? Yeah. Rose, <laughs> Rose <and Elm. laughs> all right. Shoplifters of the world. Uh, so I knew there was a reason that I love this song uh, since I am uh, obsessed with communism. So with this title is based on the motto, Workers of the World Unite from Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, which I read in in-school suspension at Seneca Valley in 11th grade as well as the 1966 David and Jonathan hit Lovers of the World Unite and the 1983 song Women of the World Take Over. A lot of people uniting and taking over by Ivor Cutler and Linda Hurst. This is Morrissey's favorite Smith song. Uh, I really wanted him to get, like, really communist in this. Do you know what I mean? Like... You know, <laughs> proletariat products of modernity, surplus value, which means the wealth is produced by labor. I just, I was so in, dude. I was so in. Um, thoughts on this, or do you want to listen to it? I just love the bridge. It fucking kicks ass, and it just when he just go, when they go into that, I'm just like, oh, this is the Smiths, man. This is what I love right here. Yeah. This is this is probably one of the better songs. It's it's really cool to hear that this is Morrissey's favorite. Yeah, man, this is uh this isn't actually about, this isn't about like petty pilfering, you know, sneaking it. It's, as Morrissey explained, it's more or less spiritual shoplifting, cultural shoplifting, taking things and using them to your own advantage. And then speaking of taking stuff, Johnny Marr's solo on this, like, you know, that section by the bridge, bow, 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 that thing, um, 
He was influenced, you'll dig this, by Nils Lofgren from the E Street Band, by Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band. And uh, the cover of the single is obviously a young photo of, of uh, Elvis Presley. You know, so for a band that, you know, at least it wasn't a dude's ass again. So, you know, it was- <laughs> Yeah, uh, the naked guy from the first yeah. album. <laughs> yeah, you sort of go, huh, all right, this one's Elvis, I could take that. <laughs> so, so being that this is about shoplifters, uh, Rosie, you ever steal shit? You know, yeah, I worked well. I worked at a grocery store called Wesselman's and uh, stupid story, man. I I was, you know, I'd take these breaks and I'd go in the freezer and I had this little bag of like Butterfinger bars and they were the little ones, not the big ones. And I used to go in there and just nibble on those things ever so often. And I got called up to the uh, front and like, uh, Michael, please come to the front. Michael, please come to the front. And I went and Russ looks at me and goes, you stealing Butterfinger bars? I go, ha, what? No. He goes, are you stealing Butterfinger bars? And I go, are you kidding me right now? Dude, absolutely fucking not. Are you kidding me? Why would I steal Butterfinger bars? I'm going to steal something. He goes, I'm going to ask you one more time, and then I'm going to fire you. Are you stealing Butterfinger bars? I go, I just had a few. They were the little <laughs> Butterfinger bars. That, what they, gave it away? They, the bag was already ripped open. It was post-Halloween. No one gave a shit. He goes, get back to work. If I, if I hear about any of this again, you're fired. But that was my uh, encounter with that. And I used to take some cases of beer because there were no security cameras. There were no The trucks would come in the morning and they would leave. And I would take a case of beer and I'd put it right outside close the gate. And then that night I would come get a case of beer. I did that in high school a few times, but I never got busted. Really? I've stolen from every job I've ever had. If VHS was still popular, dude, I'd have the greatest VHS collection. <laughs> Cause I worked at Hollywood video and I robbed that place blind <laughs> much, much like you though, Rosie, I used to, cause the deep freezer was where you go to eat food yep. uh, at a restaurant or whatever. I used to be the manager of this chicken wing restaurant called Cluck You Chicken, which uh, besides the name, we used to have to answer the phone like this. We used to, we used to have to go, Cluck You Chicken. No. And, and I, was, I was a fucking manager. I, was, I, I pretty much ran this business into the ground. It was when I was trying to pay off some credit card debt in college. And I used to put uh, like drumsticks in my pocket and be like, let me just go check to see if we're stocked up on, uh, on, on chicken hearts or whatever the fuck. And I would, dude, just I learned how to eat a wing in one bite. Just like, ha! Ah, you were like the bag. Fast Times of Richmond High guy. You're a Brad. Yeah, dude. Yeah, bro. You were Brad. <laughs> I once stole a whole tray of tiramisu from, uh, from the macaroni grill. And then me and my friends ate tiramisu all night. Morty, did you ever steal? I saw Star Wars at the, in Century City. And then afterward, my mom worked in Beverly Hills at a stationery store. Next door was the only toy shop. And I went next door. And I don't know why Star Wars. I went and I stole like Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars. And I was taking them. And then I go out and I like hid them in the store. But then I kept going back. And I probably took like six of them. And on the last one, they finally were like, you're walking in with a long T-shirt. And you're just, we're watching you steal and then walk out. And then they busted me, and then my, they brought me home, and, my, and nothing happened. And now I'm a reprobate. Uh oh. And now I treat my child. <laughs> I don't tell her. Cops. I do. That's the cops. That's the cops for you, dude. <laughs> I don't tell. I don't tell my kid that I went to Woodstock and took drugs. Yeah, <laughs> that's the difference. You will with Limp Biscuit. Speaking of which, I saw Limp Biscuit, one of the last concerts I saw before the quarantine at the Roxy, and I took Sorry. mushrooms, and it was really scary it was a scary show <laughs> not not what i recommend everybody to see limp biscuit on mushrooms all right 
All right, half a person. Uh, I think this is the perfect use of Morrissey's singing style. Uh, play 41 seconds, bro. Then I'll tell you the story of my life. 16, clumsy and shy. I went to London and died. I booked myself in at the Y. W-C-A. What's a back scrubber? I guess it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody who scrubs you. Did they have those back then or was it just a kind of a... I think it was just like back yeah. then. I've got one now, dude. And do you have Dana, a vacancy a for a back scrubber? <laughs> Can you grab the loofah for me? This is exfoliating cream. <laughs> It's, it's the last of the international loofahs, is I think. Is I what it need is. a shiatsu massage. <laughs> Playboy international. Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> you, so, you know this, this is. This is Go ahead. Go ahead. You go. No, you go ahead. No, no I'll go. This, you go. This, this is quintessential sad. This is how I was. I was awkward. I was shy. I was. You know, it's just desperation, and so many people could just relate, and we're like, "Oh my God, pick me up the floor, pick me up off the floor." So, I mean, it was this is a song, and I love that the you know a lot of songs that the title of the song is in there. I don't think half a person is in there. It's just the name of the song, but it's not a lyric. It's not, and I like that. I always like when I when I when I see that. So this is the B side to Shoplifters of the World. Uh, Morrissey and Marr wrote together in a few minutes, face-to-face in the studio, stairwell that Johnny says was the best songwriting moment they ever had. I, I would just like, oh, dog it, dude. We're getting let up here, dude. Let's fuck this podcast. Let's just have a dog off. Um, I just want I can just imagine like them trying to write songs together. It's cause it's just like, they have this vibe. So it's probably just like, all right, just, just like you strum some shit. Here's poetry. I wrote while drinking Merlot just in my castle. It's, it's great. It's great. I, I could only imagine how long it takes them to actually write a song together, but this is deeply melancholic music. Morisky describes putting himself out for a longtime crush and really connects to the lovelorn and confused teenager in all of us. I agree with that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And like many others, Morrissey likely borrowed a few lines from some of his influences, this time it being Joni Mitchell and Elvis Presley. What did he take, uh, Morrissey? There's, there's, I mean, you know, once again, it goes back and forth, but he's renowned for just grabbing something and putting a little twist and just yanking it and dropping it in. You know, they wrote this, like they said, this. they wrote this in like a couple of minutes, the two of them. You know, he probably had some poetry. They went into a stairwell, wrote it as a B-side, went back in and were like, you know, recorded it. It sounds like it could have been, um, you know, the Joni Mitchell thing. It probably could have been like that song, Help Me, you know. Help me, I think I'm yeah. falling in love again. Yeah. When I get that crazy feeling. Oh, you're sorry. Keep going, bro. No, keep, keep going. going. No, I love that he loved that kind of music. I, yeah. I mean, I did too. I mean, how could you not like Joni Mitchell, one of the best voices ever in rock? You know, right. um, but I, I think it's just the mo- one of the most relatable songs, at least for most yes. kids who go through hell growing up. 
Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Tell me about the, the the first crush, the hell that you went through that made the biggest impact. I couldn't get nailed in woodshop, man. In high school, I was just <laughs> like, fuck. I was, I just, again, I was just one of those kids who you were like, if, if I didn't become anything or make it somehow, if you would have said, hey, do you remember Michael Rosenbaum? They're like, uh, no. You mean Baum? Or, uh, you mean Rosenbaum? Oh, him. <laughs> no, no, he was great. Uh, I think that um, they would have said, oh, he was kind of nerdy and he was nice. And he was the shortest kid in the high school. I was the shortest kid in high school. I didn't start puberty till really late. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't remember having any crushes because I, I, mean, I had crushes, but they never knew. In fact, the one crush I had was Charissa Moore. And I got cast in the, my senior year in Greece. And uh, I was supposed to kiss her. And I got the part. And as I walked out in the hall, I saw her and I go, this is the time I could talk to her. I could actually have something to say. And I go, Sharissa, I'm playing Vince Fontaine. This is so fun. And you're playing. She's like, yeah, I already talked to the director. We're not kissing. And I go, okay. And I, t- I brought it up to her about eight years ago when I saw her back home. And she's like, oh, I, I'm what an asshole. I didn't, I'm so sorry. And I go, no, no, it made me who I am, the loser. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. It's life, man. It's life. It's what Morrissey's talking about. Yeah, dude. But, but Rosie, life, man. you won. You won, bro. Well, uh, she won, too. She's still pretty. Is she? So, yeah, she's nice as hell, too. Really? Don't I you hate when they uh... turn out really nice? She was always nice and continue. It wasn't like she was mean. She was like, hey, I talked to the director and we're not going to kiss. And I go, oh, okay, cool. That's what I was going to talk to him about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to actually ask him if we could Look. fuck. But. <laughs> uh, Morty, you got any? Yeah. yeah. So uh, Morrissey's barely played this song really ever. Uh, but in one show in New York, uh, he, saw, he, he confirmed its autobiographical nature. He introduced it by saying, in, here's, real, here's a real head scratcher for you. This is about someone who's not really a full person. But then he sarcastically included, who could that be? I've got no idea. But he has admitted that the girl who wrote them the letter telling him that she liked it better when he was poor was an actual person, you know? And like you were saying, that's sort of an interesting, I thought that was an interesting point you brought up of you going home and then knowing it. Like you carried that till now. You've had a pretty successful career and you've kissed a couple of girls, I'm sure. And then up until that point, you go back to the girl and you're like, hey, remember 20 some odd years ago when you wouldn't, Kiss me in this play one time. Never forget. I'll never forget that. 
And you know, it probably wasn't even about me as much as it was she didn't want to kiss. In a yeah. She was a young girl. So, but as a kid, you think it's all about you. I'm ugly. I'm half a person. Funk. Yeah. Were you uh, 16, clumsy and shy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, went, I didn't go to London and I... Oh, he oh, is my. in Indiana. Give me, your, give me your best, Josh. Give me your best Morrissey uh, voice. Uh, hold on, give me some kind of prep for Let me just think about my pain. Uh, and if you're something, hobby something and fly, I'm so sad at night. <laughs> Very good, Morty. Okay. And if a double decker bus crashes into us tonight by your side, oh, the pleasure would be mine. That's the one that got me. That's the one that I had a your girlfriend. I was with a 16. I mean, I was with what? a girl. Oh, appropriate. The song. The song. And she That's... said that. Here's the song. And I went, oh, because I'd heard like, you know, I'd heard like, you know, uh, um, girlfriend in a coma and stuff. That was the one. My first girlfriend was like, I love this miss. And I go, sure. And then she played that song. And I just went, oh, if, if life ended right now at the top of our romance, no matter how old we are, it would have been enough. Dainu. You know, I, that's, that's, you know, Morrissey definitely, we talked about it, like he over-exaggerates to prove a point, yeah. you know, and I think those are like the songs. And if a, and if a 10 ton truck crashes into us tonight, but to die by your side, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. I mean, it's just like, he doesn't want to get killed in a bus he doesn't want a 10 ton truck to kill him, but it's the way he feels and he's exaggerating to, to make a point. And it's so heavy that it's just kind of shocking and amazing. You know what he reminds me of? Remember in uh, in Annie Hall? I know it's hard to talk about that now with everything we know. But when when uh, Annie Hall's talking to that actor and he's like, you know, I'd like to die if I got ripped apart by wild animals. <laughs> like That's the most Morrissey shit in the fucking world, dude. <laughs> just that put your foot in my yes. heart. <laughs> I think that actor was the guy who played my. That's your dude. Smallville, that's John your. Glover. That's your dude. John that's your, that's your dude. I bro. just had dinner at his house. He invited me over, and it was like such a. It was only a handful of us, but it was like Dan Loria, the father from Wonder Years, and it was an awesome time with these old timers, kind of talking about life and stuff. It was like, it was cool. But that was John that Glover is- and then Annie. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And he was in Gremlins too. Yeah. The new batch. Yeah, dude, that's how I know him. Uh, big <laughs> know big fan Gremlins of the Gremlins too, franchise. <laughs> Hoping they bring it back. That and RoboCop, but with Peter Weller. All right. I don't want to skip over London. I got to mention it to everybody because it's, honest to God, one of my favorite songs on this record. It's it's like, uh, Morty, you called it uh, punk rockabilly, and I could totally see British people just pogoing to this shit. It's so good. But let's get to Panic. Let's get to Panic. Go ahead and play uh, the opening. Mexican Ebo Smith's band. God. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean when you say hopes may lie in the grass mirror? In the grass deer, Morty. I think it is. Huh? I think it's in, isn't it grass deer? Hopes may lie in the grass deer? No. But honey grass cows? mirror. It's grass. Does he say grass mirror? Oh, I, you know, I didn't even. Hopes may seen... lie in the grass mirror. <laughs> I, guess, I guess everyone's. You know what? Right now, 
somebody that's like me is is screaming at the uh, is screaming at the phone is uh, at the at their podcast device. I, what is a Grasmere? What is it? It's a rug. Uh, it's in England. Grasmere is a village and tourist yeah. destination in England. It's an but it's an. Was it near Ireland? Is it Kilbaro? Helps me lie in the Grasmere. For all we know, a neighbor. Though, I don't know. It's in Montana. Okay. Grasmere, Montana. Yeah. That's where they do. It's where they do a big bicycle, a uh, big motorcycle rally every year. Smash yeah, Mouth played it. Like, <laughs> dude, we're playing Grasmere in like two weeks, bro. I, I, I thought it was another word that he made up. Like he has Probably. a propensity yeah. for doing that because he'll be like, you know, Piccadilly Pelore, your lovely Eek and your lovely Raya. I looked them up. Those are Eek and Raya are not words. But somebody who will throw fake words into a fucking song, genius. I love that, that he makes his own world up. He probably also grabbed them from other, he's good with that, where he'll grab from like any, like a little device, like he'll grab Shakespeare and then he'll grab a, you know, a, a, a Sheila thing and, you know, and he'll stick them all together and just mix it up. And it's like, dude, if you, if you're smart enough to catch on to what he's doing, then good for both of you. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know what um, I mean? Here's my question because this is this is from an outsider that is, you know, becoming a Smiths fan. Is this the most popular Smith song? No, How Soon Is Now is probably the most popular. Wouldn't you say overall? Are you talking about with fans? You're talking about like with the with public. With fans and everything. This is the one that like I've I've heard this. I feel like I've heard this Smith song more than any other Smith song. Well, you know what? This was because of the DJ part, the disco and the DJ thing. It got a lot of traction. It also got a lot of pushback as people kind of the racial and the and the uh, sexual component of discos. Traditionally, some people thought that it might have he might have been, you know, sort of coming down on, you know, the kind of people that would go to discos or DJs. But really what it was is just that he was basically saying music right now sucks. Yeah. The people they're playing isn't. All this, I mean, I, I apologize because you love this shit. I mean, you love the bands he's talking about at the time, but he's like, I don't understand Human League and all these, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. I don't get this. That's what you're putting out there. You guys are putting out there like, you know, whatever, not Debbie Gibson, but that idea of like, you know, Stacey Q or whatever. <laughs> and what we're doing has meaning. What we're doing has depth. These are the people I love, Patty Smith and Joni Mitchell. and Right. Stuff. So that's what I'm saying. He's going, burn Jesus Christ. The songs, it says nothing about my life. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is the D supposedly the DJ, when it goes, hang the DJ, hang the DJ, hang the DJ. It's a real DJ that he hated. Supposedly it's, it was a real, there was a DJ and he used to play like top 40 and all this shit. Casey Kasem, go fuck yourself. I hate you, Casey Kasem and Shadow Stevens. And I'm trying to name other DJs. And the Grease Man, he's a pain in the ass. It's Rick. I want to ask this to all three, all three of us, okay? Because this is about you know hanging the DJ. The music sucks. What's what's the band you can't stand, Rosie? I don't listen to anything post 2000. So I don't even know. Um, come back to me. Go to Morty. Morty. I, you know what? I've, I, and I, and I don't knock anybody. Offspring has always rubbed me wrong. Two things. I, 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 his voice just always weird and pitchy. Something about them. They felt like air sats and that he used dweeb in a song. I'm just a dweeb. And that was like a John Hughes fake. That was just like a John Hughes fake term that he just made up in, in the movie and then in Ferris Bueller. And then it's just like, I'm not a dweeb. And I'm like, people don't, people never said that. Nobody ever used that word. 
That was like, you grabbed that out of a movie, making fun of that word and brought it into a song. And it just, that they're just one of those bands. I apologize. Cause I know friends are friends. Of well, I'm just letting you know, Emily's trying to book uh, noodles on the show. So. Oh, I love them. They, 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 he's the best part of the band. Okay. I hate, I hated that song. I get knocked down. What was the name of the band? Chumbawamba. Fucking Chumbawamba. I lost my virginity to that song, bro. I get How could you what? <laughs> okay, it wasn't again? like it was it was just it was on like a it was on like a now oh, CD. Those it was songs. Like... <laughs> you know what else like those songs like closing time semi-sonic, semi-sonic okay yeah. i get it there's just you know, certain I... songs that i'm like i don't want to be part of that i just I, that are too commercial for me and i could listen to some pop shit i can but like i could listen to pop shit from like the, the really the 70s and 80s or where i like the pop you're you still have really great songwriters there but but i bet you loved hootie and the blowfish i don't you did don't lie no i never really liked hootie and the blowfish really my friend once said i had sex with huey lewis and i go it'd be cooler if you had sex with the news to be honest <laughs> <laughs> oh boy Dude, Kate Quigley's dating. If you don't know if you guys know Kate Quigley, she's dating Darius Rucker. And she I was really? Like, and all I want to do is, yeah. And he, she's dating him. And uh, two of the members of Hootie went to my high school in Seneca Valley High School. Oh. I thought you were going to say she's dating him and two members of Hootie and the Blowfish. Right. <laughs> Dude, she's fucking the Blowfish. She's fucking, wow. She's fucking the, his country western band. Everybody knows my least favorite band because I say it all the time. It's 311. Yeah. Because JT's friends. Uh, I couldn't name one Quinn. song. Josh, I honestly couldn't name one song. I'm not putting them down. I just never. I they don't. covered the they covered the cure. You might love it. Yeah. In fact, no, I knew some won't. of the guys Good in song. the band. Love song. Ding. Just, dun, just dun, 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 dun. listen yeah. to the cure. Don't listen to white people doing reggae. It is offensive. Offensive, not offensive. It's offensive. Yeah, I just. That's I, how, I'm not that's a how mad player. I got. I like Bob Marley, and that's about it. Fuck yeah, dude. Nah, dude. Toots and the Maytals. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, That 70s, dig that shit. Yeah. Uh, Morty, what do you got? Uh, I want to ask you about your music, but let me give you this one real quick. First song to be recorded with Craig Gannon. You know, he did a couple of these sides, the A side, the B side. He'd originally been uh, brought in because Andy Rourke, uh, in like the mid little 80s, he had a heroin addiction. And so he was brought in. Originally, Craig was brought in to play bass. He ended up, uh, Andy came back. And then they just were like, okay, you play guitar over here. And then he was let go like eight months later from it. It also inspired, if you guys watch Netflix, 2017 episode of Black Mirror called Hang the DJ. I do remember that. Yep. Uh, All right. So then there's Shakespeare's sister. That one's good. Peaked at number 26. Uh, Let us get to William. It was really nothing. what What a great song title. What a very Morrissey. There's even a comma in it. Willie that's the most that's the most Morrissey shit in the world where there's a comma in your song title. <laughs> a punctuation. I love that. That's very true. So this is often considered to be about a love triangle between two men and a woman who is pressuring one of the men into marriage. According to Morrissey, he said, It occurred to me that within popular music, if ever there was any records that discussed marriage, they were always from the female standpoint. Female singers singing to women. 
whenever there were any songs saying do not marry, stay single, self-preservation, etc., I thought it was about time that there was a male voice speaking directly to another male saying that marriage was a waste of time, that, in fact, it was absolutely nothing. I, I Wasn't it about sort of maybe, you know, I, I thought I heard something like it was a love triangle, but then I heard it was like Morrissey telling his friend who lives in a humdrum town uh, and is getting married to a woman to like, you're like, you're gay. What are you doing? Kind of like that whole Elton John story. Like, you know, what are you doing with your life? Uh, I, I don't know. I've heard different things about what it was like, what, what it was about, but what do you think, Morty? What do you, I mean, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you what people say that it's inspired by. If you want me to, you want me to go into it, Josh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude. So no. basically it's okay. Originally it's actually inspired by the 1959 Keith Waterhouse novel, Billy Liar. That was also made into a movie. Another one of these kind of kitchen sink, you know, he's enamored by these 60s and 50s sort of beat era of, you know, British theater, British books, you know, British movies. Um, but he wrote it. They say he wrote it about his Scottish friend, Billy McKenzie of the band, The Associates. And then it seemed to be confirmed in 93 when The Associates released a, a, a title, a song titled Stephen, You're Really Something, once again with a comma, because, you know. Uh, now, and there's no, I don't know if there's any correlation about that, but, uh, Mackenzie committed suicide four years later in 97. Don't know exactly what happened with the marriage, but that, that's what people have sort of said it. But Andre 3000, uh, as we said from outcast has called this his favorite Smith song. And if you actually listen to like, if you listen to Hey Yeah and stuff, there's a lot of that eighties stuff, you know, ding, you know, like. There's a bounce to that stuff that you get from. How can you stay with a fat girl who say, oh, <laughs> you'd like to marry me. And it's not a She doesn't care about Oh, wait, wait, wait. There, I, think, I, got, I think I got the best part of the song. It's the ending when he does the house. Go ahead and play it. Oh, Morrissey, you're so sad. So <laughs> you're so, you're so cute and adorable. Come on, Billy. Come on. Stop playing. I, it was called Bill. It was really not that much. But then they changed it to William. And <laughs> yeah. <really not>. like, <laughs> Bill, it wasn't that bad. Don't talk Bill, enough, semicolon. Bill. <laughs> Bill. It sounds, I, I'm going to guess it was more than a semicolon. Yeah. Bill, ellipses. <laughs> full colon. It was full colon. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same so if that sounds cool you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and i'll see you there all right uh next one i want to do is heaven knows i'm miserable now oh, good yes. god the, the pope of mama jamma mope uh so uh, this uh, this has been dis- he's described this as like an old school uniform people insist i wear it but i'm really not that miserable 
I'm not an unhappy person, not in the least. I'm certainly very surprised and very pleased to still be here. Um, this might be the best line in the entire Can I guess record. it? Can I guess it? Go ahead. Can I guess the best line? Yeah, hit me. In my life, oh, why do I give valuable time to people rather kick in the eye? Nah. Okay, nah, all right. This is the one that, this is just sticks out to me. Play 149, bro. What she asked of me at the end of the day, Caligula would have blushed. Oh, yeah, dude. Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> I just imagine him just grouping. I, I just love this. Caligula would have blushed. It's so great. It's great line. I, this is, I get it now. I get it. So I want to ask you, Rosie, uh, what has been said to you that would make Caligula blush? <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough question. Uh, to make Caligula blush? Wow. That, Like he said, that's, that's, that's a lot. It takes a lot to make me blush, by the way. I, I I was I'm very comfortable with my sexuality for the most part, as Morty would tell you. And my friends come over, you know, if I'm bored, I might just be up, be naked, and uh, they'll be like, "Rosenbach, come on." Um, I don't know. I DJed your party. I DJed a party for you, and many parties. You were dating Summer at the time, though. You were, we dated. It was at Phoenix or something. And I remember I'm at the DJ, but this isn't full public. Just I got to. No, but this is when you could do it and you were doing yes. it. But it wasn't sexual. It wasn't. No, 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 no. I, God, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Because he looks at me and he just goes, hey, what's up? And then somehow, like, I think your pants are open and you just pulled your cock out. But like, kind of like went, hey, like just standing there. I, like, thought, at your- I thought I was showing you my new belt ball buckle. Oh, I was. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's what I, that I think buckle. was happening. I thought you were hanging. That you were unhanging. Disclosure. Were disclosure. This was twenty-five years ago. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't care. Different like, times. I don't care. Different. I really the don't DJ's care. unhung. Hung the DJ. Yeah, here's your tip. <laughs> dude, I went to I went to one of your uh, Halloween parties, and one Ooh. Morty, I got to give you props, dude. You are a phenomenal Legend. DJ. Legend. Oh, were you just... there that night? Legend. Dude, it was, it, was, it was one of the ones in the valley. Yeah, and I remember the last I Halloween party. Yeah, I, is that the last one? Well, it's the last one anyone's had. Was it, it was the like one with years Psychedelic First cover band? Yeah, the cat, yeah, the, who also the Depeche yes. Mode cover yeah, band. Yeah, it right? was a blast, yeah. That was Dude. great. So, Morty, well, you're always the best. You've probably DJ you, at my parties. You've always been. One time I had um, Debbie yeah, Gibson play the Spasmatics yeah. and Young MC. Oh, yeah. That was a blast. Yeah. Oh, you motherfucker. All right, where am I? Ask. Ask. Ask me. Ask me. Uh, So this one's uh, about uh, losing one's inhibitions and seizing life's opportunities before humankind destroys the world. Uh, I think this might be one of the best moments on the record. Kick it, JT. If it's not love, then it's the Love the bomb. Bum will bring us together. I know he's saying bomb, but it's bum. Say bow. Rosenbaum. The bomb. What's your name? Rosenbaum. Yeah. <laughs> Rosenbaum. Don't forget that. I was at Woodstock. I was at Woodstock, man. I was at Woodstock. Writing frightening verse to a bucktooth girl in Luxembourg. I mean, come on, Morrissey. 
Jeez, Steve. <laughs> you really outdone yourself on that one. I mean, he got it, dude. He has. Got I mean, it. it's uh, some of these lyrics though. You're just like, you you do fall in love with them when you read the lyrics to the songs. Don't even you listen to them. It's fine, but when you start reading the lyrics, and, I'm, and it's just like, wow, this is really brilliant. It's like what what Sinatra did with some of those songs. The way those how would you uh, are phrasing? It's the phrasing. phrasing. The phrasing, the ins and outs, the highs, the how things connect to them, you know, words can, it's just fucking, it's really good. It's really good. I don't know how, you know, my dad, who is, we talked about, is 70. He loves Morrissey. He loves Morrissey. He does. He knows all these songs. And it's amazing because I'm like, what? He loves Dinosaur Jr. Who just have a new album out. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So anyway. Ask me, ask me, ask me. Morty, you got anything? Yeah, so this one, just to let you guys know, I know it's sort of in the weeds a bit, but Kirsty McCall, who, if you do, you know the Tracy Ullman hit, They Don't Know, remember that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she had opened one of her she, shows. This is her, this was her uh, song. Kirsty McCall did that song, and she also did one of the Pogue songs that you guys know, Fairy Tale of New York. You know, the duet she does with Shane uh, for for the, the record we did with James Fernley. Um, uh, uh, Kirsty McCall sings backup on this here, and uh, because... She worked, her husband was Steve Lillywhite, who's done records, records you guys have heard about forever. Simple Minds, Talking Heads, Big Country, Robert Plant, Allison Moyer. Um, and so she would often come in and sing on his stuff that he worked or engineered or produced on. So that's her doing the backups on this here. Sadly, she passed away years ago, but very respected, very respected British singer. Love her. Cool. Moment of silence for her, guys. All right, um, hand and glove. Let's get to please, please, please uh, let me get what I want. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's the Ferris Bueller song. This rip is, my heart it, out, Josh. This I song mean, rips my ass out. And here, let's, I want to watch you cry right now. Put the intro Woo! on. Good times for a change. See, the luck I've had can make a good man turn back. So please, please, please Let me, let me, let me Let me get what This I is want. such a good song. I just wish this it was longer. It is you know? short. Isn't it a short song? It's about two minutes, right? Yeah, yeah it's two, like two quick verses and two choruses and out. It's, it's, uh, it's in about two minutes of stark but lush delicateness. Morrissey justifies his entitlement by the comparative amount of pain he's endured. That's crazy. You know, it's one of those songs that he knows how to write a song where he knows at some point in anyone's life, that song, when they're at a certain point in their life, at a darkness, at a lull, if you will, that that is just going to resonate. And and we feel every moment of that freaking song. There's no doubt about it. I mean, when I've gone through breakups or I, you know, someone dies, you know, that please, please, please let me, let me, let me get what I want for the first time. Lord knows it would be, Lord, or let me get what I want. Lord knows it would be the first time. It's just, it's, again, it's just, it, he knows how to suck you the F in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else. It's wishful thinking in poetry. For real. A hundred percent. I mean, this is just gorgeous. That's why I was like, it's it's over so quickly. You're just like, oh, God. 
this could be like a five minute jam. Just I want more verses. I want more love. I want more longing. I want more delicateness. I want more comparative that I can't even yeah, say. That's what you need. Yeah. I want all of that. I want it all. <laughs> Give it to me, Morrissey. Give me the bum. I want that bum. <laughs> it's true, man. And it's nice. Like, I, I know it's I know it's written next, but I mean, that was the first thought as soon as I heard it about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's like, it's such a iconic scene in such an iconic movie that I know it's probably one of your, I mean, I, I could only imagine, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but it's got to be one of your favorites if you're based in the 80s of that love of yeah. John Hughesy. I do. It's I not do. even their version. It's like the Dream Academies, you know, the ones who had life in a northern town. Yeah. It's not even there. It's just an instrumental of that one. That's how evocative it is. That is just dun da 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 dun 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 da 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 da. It's like a circus or something. Yeah, they don't even have It's like a kazoo or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. All right. Here's my question: Best '80s movie ever. All three of us go, Rosie. That's a that. I mean, that is tough. Best '80s movie. I mean, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, something that just. I mean, look, I love Back to the Future. That's a great '80s movie. It's just like we—I just rented a theater and watched it with 15 of my friends. We were vexed, <laughs> and uh, but I think Sixteen Candles" also is that kind of yeah, quintessential dude. '80s music movie where the music and the—you know—you have Paul Young living in the life of the common people. That it just yeah, there's something that you just want to be back in that time period for sure. What Morty? do you guys think? Um, I'll give you one that I saw in the theater that I don't know that it's my favorite, but it's incredibly evocative. And the guy that made it only really only made this movie risky business. It's a, it's, it's a re it's not that I'd say it's the best one, but when you watch that movie, you're like, what is this? It's, it's like, absolutely. When you watch it, there's just something about the way it looks, how it's written. And the dude like directed, like, I think he did one film and then was like gone or whatever. And it's got tangerine dream on the soundtrack, dude. It's like a, it's a heavy, I mean, besides the subject matter, it's like like a heavy, like a dark movie. And, you know, Tom Cruise being all naked in his underpants. Yeah, dude. Good for him. Uh, mine, uh, it's, it doesn't really fit in. It's 80s. It's Aliens. Well, love, if, love you aliens. Horror, <laughs> if you were going horror, I would have been there with you. I, lo- I have a signed Aliens poster by the entire cast. Oh, man. Are you my kidding me? Favorite. I love that movie. Dude, you're, dude this, is the, this is the line me and my buddies quote more than anything. We go, Bay 12, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, be Was my guest. No, it's, it's a pwn, dude. A oh, pwn. Remember when she's like, she's like, where do you, she's like, gah, gah, where do you want it? And he goes, Bay 12, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I heard James Cameron, how he pitched that movie. I, was, did I tell you that? Oh, maybe we, I know I heard it from somewhere else. Maybe the, then, maybe it's true. I always thought it was the a chalkboard. Popular. The chalkboard. He walked in, he wrote alien. Then he made the S and then he put a dollar sign just in the line and then he walked out. Or that's the basic the Here's idea. your sequel, Alien, and just wrote I heard yeah, he, he just added an S and he goes but then, I know I heard he wrote S, but then he put the line through it and made it a dollar sign. Oh, that's and cool. went. That's and that's that what I heard is about. Why it. all of his movies are the biggest movies of all <laughs> time. The ever, dude ever. gets it. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing a movie this year if it's not bigger than everything else. Yeah, dude. Uh, but then also say Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but just because of yeah, oh, it's so yeah. 80s. It's, right. But, but yeah, Aliens that one. is like and it, Breakfast Club. Shit. Oh shit! Okay. Oh, Breakfast yeah, Club. You know, that's a that's a toughie because yeah, I mean, imminently quotable, imminently quotable. I mean, yeah, 
How know? many times have you guys walked away from, from your friends and just thrown up your fists like this and just bang? Uh, hey, hey. I can't. I can't. <laughs> that song is epic at the end. What Talk about a, a song that's just so impactful. And yeah. who was supposed to do it originally, Rosie? That song? Keith Keith Forsey wrote it. Who who was supposed to do that song originally that passed? He worked with Keith Forsey also. And when you hear um, it, you'll be absolutely, I totally see that. Uh, was it Billy Idol? Yep. Was it? Yeah. Dude! Can you you can imagine <laughs> Billy Idol doing that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a huge cucumber in his pants, just being well, all sexy and Billy-ish. Totally. Does Dude. Barry Manilow know you raid his wardrobe? <laughs> you could Barry ask. Him. Oh, yeah. What a great Dude, one. that was eminently quotable. Saw it in Westwood also. Yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, the next one uh, is unlovable. Uh, so this might uh, just seem like a uh, maudlin pity party. It's actually a poignant yearning to be understood and loved. Uh, and that's summarized in the lines, I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside. And if I seem a little strange, well, that's because I am. But I know that you would like me if only you could see me, if only you could meet me. I don't have much in my life, but take it. It's yours. It's yours. So this is reportedly a swipe at Robert Smith from The Cure. So they had a few through the 80s. Because in an interview, Morrissey was asked a really stupid question. Uh, he said, if I put you in a room with Robert Smith, Marky e. Smith, who, if you guys don't know, he's a singer in a band called The Fall, and a loaded Smith & Western, who would bite the bullet first? So Morrissey goes, I'd shoot them all simultaneously. But then he called Robert Smith a whinge bag. And that prompts Robert, Robert Smith later. He goes, Morrissey's so depressing that if he doesn't kill himself soon, I probably will. And then he, and then he said, this is the best line ever. If Morrissey says not to eat meat, then I'm going to eat meat. That's how much I hate Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently they've made up. They made up and now they see each other and they're like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? And that's like them kissing. How are you? Yeah. Do you think you could have a Do you think you could have a friendship with Morrissey? Do you think he has like like I think so. Friends? I think he's probably got I think he's probably what do you think, Rosie? I think he's like I think he's actually got you know, he said he loved, fell in love like 10 years ago, whatever, one of the records, he's like, I'm in love. It was like a thing he came out. I mean, not he didn't come. <laughs> let me rephrase this. He didn't come out. He came out and said he was in love and then people were all happy for him. And it was him smiling in like a light shirt, driving his car and convertible in LA. But yeah, it was, uh, he, he came out. I, I think it's possible. He probably has close friends. I'm assuming close female friends. Maybe it's this whole persona. Maybe it's just like, I've got to feel mysterious, ambiguous, and sad. And, yeah. and, and my fans, that's what they want. <laughs> them. And then he goes at home and he's like, hey, 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 hey. He's like, he's like, hold on. He's like, hold on. The Islanders game is on. I was going to say. I've got money mean, on it. I've got money oh on it. Oh, God. Did someone grab in and out, please? <laughs> yeah. Is anybody looking? Uh, all right uh i for time i just want to mention asleep uh which is great about this song was that i had saved that on my spotify playlist a while ago uh it's a great song 
Uh, it was the B side uh, to the boy with the thorn in his side. Uh, it's great. It's it's so great. Um, is there anything super interesting, Morty? That yeah. Are, well, can- this one, Noel Gallagher, no call. No Gallagher's called this his favorite Smith song. Uh, if you guys read Perks of Being a Wallflower, you'll know that uh, Henry Shabosky's uh, 1999 coming of age uh, epistolary uh, novel which if you guys want to stop me, an epistolary is basically when it's a novel's written as letters. So like Bridget Jones diary or diary entries. Oh yeah. Diary entries. He talks about this being the sensitive teens love letter to music. So, so Bridget Jones like, diary is epistolary. It's an epistolary. Epistolarian. I love that. It's on, it's on you gotta Disney go 85 plus. miles an hour to read it. <laughs> Back to the future. The epistolarian. Damn. Where is that boy? It's, 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 it's wear black to the future is what it is. Do they do they do they serve a pistolorian at that uh, at Bergen's and Chachen, whatever yeah, that just, restaurant just was? Yeah, that I, we gave, went I to. got heartburn from the pistolory once <laughs> wow. I got there. I went to the bathroom, I almost threw up, and then I looked up and it was like shoplifters of the world unite and take over. I was like, I'll be rah! uh so Rosie, you want to do some facts and get out of here? Let's do it. All right. Yeah, just one quick thing I'm gonna tell you is hand and glove, which we skipped over from '83 is the first Smith single. Just so you guys know, Sandy Shaw also covered it, and she actually had a bigger hit with it. It wasn't, it was kind of a failure when they came out of the gate, but it's good to know somebody out there is freaking out because they're like, they skipped hand and glove. Well, by the way, this is the naked guy in the cover, this hand and glove, right? <laughs> yes, this is the Tuchus on the cover that this is the, the guy from the cover. The guy showed it to his to his dad, and he's like, Hey, here's our new single. His dad's like, That son. That's a dude's bum. <laughs> and one of the great lines, <laughs> hand in glove, the sun shines out of our behinds. <laughs> well, that's it's a backhanded compliment, I guess. It's incredible. Okay, so I'll give you guys a few facts. I'll give you a few facts to get out of here. We did skip Sheila Takes a Bow, which is another huge one. Went to number 10. It was their highest charting single ever while they were together, and it's the last song they ever played live as the Smiths. Its subject, which you'll hear a lot of the time, is the British kitchen sink dramatist, is also on the compilations cover, the cover of Louder Than Bombs. Because he's explained, I've never made any secret of the fact that at least 50% of my reason for writing can be blamed on Sheila Delaney. So, and if you see it, it's spelled S-E-S-H-E-L-A-G-H, but it, she's Sheila. That's how you pronounce that. It's Irish. She thought it sounded better. Okay. Um, so speaking of inspiration, uh, Rosie, who first inspired you? You know, it's, it's cheesy, but I'd say... Uh, my grandfather always inspired me. He was just a, such a great guy. He was, uh, Morty met him. You met Irv. Uh, he was just, just always had energy for me. Always had the time to listen to me. Unconditional love. Cared about what I said. Was deeply interested in what I was doing. Uh, that really got me through a lot of the dark years. And having someone like a role model and someone that loves you unconditionally is, is huge. We don't need a lot. We just need one that's genuine, and um, he's always been a role model. Yeah. So Did you name Irv after Irv? Yeah, my dog Irv, who just yeah. I had a, just I had a two that. weeks ago. Yeah, thanks, but yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, so there's my grandparents were Irvin Blanche in Florida, and I named my dogs Irvin Blanche in in California. So <laughs> my grandfather was like. What the hell did you name your dog Irv? I'm not even dead yet. What the <laughs> hell is this? He was always a good. That's good a, I mean, I don't know if. That, I mean, I get it, but it's like it's, it's Papa, like you, you name why you, why'd you name the ferret after me? Yeah, in Jewish, in Jewish religion, I don't even think you can do that. Yeah, you had a name, just an I, an I name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So Morrissey picked the name The Smith because of its generic quality, figuring it was time for ordinary people to be recognized. That's how he came up with the name. 
I get it. No, I get it. Smith is a very basic. It's a very basic name. That's that's great. That's a, that's that's cool that that's what no it was flamboyancy about. whatsoever. Ironically. No. All right, so so Rosie, I want to ask you: When did you first realize you would be forever recognized as and connected with Lex Luthor? I don't know. There was a cool moment where Stan Lee came up to me once and said, "You're the best, Lex Luthor." And I was <laughs> Better like, than "Hackman." He just wow. said it to me. I don't. I love Hackman, but I was like, "What?" That was just mind blowing. But I think, you know, when Smallville came out, there weren't there wasn't social media, so it was right before that really hit. So it wasn't until, you know, I went to my first convention to sign autographs. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, there's a line out the door and wrapped around and people are here to see me. And I, I couldn't believe it. And, my, and the great thing about that was my grandparents were with me the first time. And they were like, what is this? They're here to see. This is a I don't understand what's happening here. These people are here. And they would stand there for hours. My grandfather was so he was just astonished. They were like, can you sign this? In this episode, you said that. And my grandfather ate it up. And my grandma was let's go get lunch or something. My grandfather thought it was the most amazing thing. And I loved it that he's got to witness some uh, success in my life because I didn't have too much before then. Oh, man. that That's great. That's great, especially yeah. because he's so important to you. Because my dad passed away before all my success. And uh, I wish he was there. So he I can, is. He's so with I, you, buddy. He's uh, with you. I, I, I I mean, there would be nothing better to just rub my success in his face. Be like, I told you. <laughs> I told you. I'm I was so gonna, <laughs> I told you I was going to do it. Okay, although the story of Morrissey uh, showing up on Johnny's doorstep in 82 to ask him to join the band is the official beginning of the Smiths, they actually met on August 31st, which is my daughter B's birthday, in 1978 when Morrissey was 19 and Johnny was only 14 at a Patti Smith concert. And that's when they were introduced by Billy Duffy, who became the guitar player in the, in the, he was in the cult. Southern death cult, but in the cult. And uh, he was in a band, he was jamming with Morrissey. He's like, you should, you should talk to this kid, Johnny. And then, you know, whatever it was like, you know, six, seven years later, he went to his house and they say like, he was at the door, like, <coughs> we're going to like write songs together, kid. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Rosie, what chance meeting changed your life? What chance meeting? Yeah. Like, who did I meet to change my life? Sure. I mean, again, I don't think celebrity. The first thing I thought about was my friend Tom. Tell me about Tom. We met in grade school, and uh, he was popular, and I wasn't. But there was he lived down the street, and he just was always so nice to me. And meeting him really changed my life, because when I went to college, he goes, hey, I hear you're going to go to Western Kentucky. You want to be my roommate? So I was like, sure. You want to be my roommate? And I went to college and he was the guy who would be at parties and be like, hey, listen to him do these impressions. He does impressions. He's, he's hilarious. And he'd always like just be so supportive. So I think just meeting him in general, that really helped me become who I am now. I love Shout that. out to Lally. Yeah. And be honest, Michael's one of those guys. He's still friends. Like just in case you guys think it's not genuine. I've known Tom. I mean, I've pretty much met him with Michael from the beginning. He's been around the entire time and it's the same relationship. He really is. It's yeah. like, I respect that about you, Michael. It's that you're like me. You're friends with guys you've been friends with for since forever. Well, I've been friends with you for t over 20 yeah, years. 25 years. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Same I'm thing. Really I don't, as long as you don't shit on me or again, I don't need anything from you. I don't, as long no, as you're, no. you don't talk shit and you're just a good friend, a genuine person, I'll be friends with you for life. It's just that. Yeah. There's so many assholes here and you can't trust a lot of people, but I definitely hang out with a group of people that uh, 
you know, or, or you're very fortunate me. and they're very fortunate to have you too. Cause oh, everybody thanks, does buddy. adore you, man. Seriously. Thanks. Yeah. Buddy. I can well, tell, thanks. but coming to your party, that's how you can see everybody. It's like, and it's like, it's all, you know, it's funny too. Like you'll look around the room and be like, holy shit. I know that guy. And it's not even famous. It's like, oh, that dude's Ethan. I love Ethan. And then like, you just see all these people yeah. and all the comics that are there are all like the fun ones. And also like, like Harlan and you are so close, uh, which I love Harlan more than anything. And, and he loves you. By the way, we've had Harlan on. We just need to get Barry on and we can get the cast of Sorority, Sorority Boys. Sorority Boys. Yeah. yeah. Like, we'll Josh, you're like that too. You know, you're one of those good guys where, remember we did uh, some stand-up at the Clarinet and it was me, you, Swartzen, and Harlan. And you, you know, you've been doing it for years uh, and you were just so supportive and just so like – and I had just started. You were like, you made me feel so comfortable. And that's, you know, people don't go out of their way to do that. So, you know, it's good to be around good people. Well, I, I thought you were, I thought you were going to bomb. So I was like, I better fucking. <laughs> I better, no, he was going like, to bomb. Butter him up, dude. I was going to bomb. You were going to bomb. That's why Patreon, on Patreon, on your show, what you do with your fans, dude, I have to say, I, I know a couple of celebrities, but what you do with your fans, the, 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 the actual graciousness that you show the people that follow you of shouting them out and playing songs for them and listening to them. I mean, honestly, I, I have such respect for you for how much you put into it with sunspin. I mean, left on Laurel, just your career. You really do. You really do go the extra, like you're, you're there. I, I, I listen to the people. I mean, from all over the world who tune in, honestly, man, like it's really touching, you know, it's it's really, you know, I never thought I'd do even do a podcast by the way. And, Funny enough, in the beginning, it was like, do a podcast. I'm like, why? You make money. Okay. And then you do a podcast and you realize, wait, this is really hard and it's not easy to make money and no one's listening. And then I started to go, you know what? I'm going to use this as a platform to just be real and vulnerable and open up. And the second I started to just be more grounded and just let go of all the bullshit people were drawn to that and it was just real. And there was this, this vast connection that I've had for now a couple of years. And I think people, when you open up and you're real and you're, and then the guests open up, it's just been so listened to inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. I was hoping you were going to say, so I was like, you know, I was like, I was like, it wasn't catching on. I'm talking to nobody. And then I called Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick <laughs> and it blew the fuck up. All right, let's get one last uh, fact okay, in here morning before the rapid questions. What do we Absolutely. got? Absolutely. Right. So Morrissey's first concert was T-Rex in 1972. And years later, he bumped into Mark Boland in some hotel. He asked him for an autograph. Boland refused and basically turned around and walked away. So, yeah. Fucking Boland. So, Rosie, I got a question. Uh, when have you been snubbed by another celebrity? Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, about eight years ago, uh, my grandfather had told me that we had a distant uh, relative was River Phoenix, that, that his great aunt or whatever was sort of related in a roundabout way, distantly related to our family and explained me how we were connected. So I thought I would express that to Joaquin one time. <laughs> so at a party afterwards, I was like, hey, we're actually – your your uh your great grandmother was friends because I don't want to talk about this right now. Oh. And he walked away from me, and I just was like, maybe he was having a bad day though. I don't yeah. know. I I just remember going. I uh, oh my God. <laughs> you were I all felt excited. So yeah. I felt like the biggest loser. 
Were you lingering? Uh, Wait, were you lingering to get to talk to him because you saw him? So you lingered. I was out waiting for my car. He was out waiting for his car at the VIP or whatever, and, and you know, Val or valet. And I just go, there's nobody there. And I just like, hey man, uh, I just wanted to say that my great grandmother, your great grandmother, was actually. And before I even said anything, he was just, I don't want to talk about this. Did you go mm. like I knew you when you were leaf? <laughs> <laughs> But you remember I, Parenthood? I don't hate him though. I just was like, he's a dark dude, and you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. didn't want to hear from me, and so I don't blame him. All right, rapid fire questions, then you're out of here. All right, uh, favorite song on this record? I mean, please, please, please is pretty damn. Just, I, I really love it, but I think the one that gets me going is Panic. Like you were talking about the favorite. I think Panic gets me going. It's just a fun song to listen to anytime. Uh, please, 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 if I'm feeling down. I'm London, dude. London. God, I love You London. love that song. I man. really do. I, I know you, we didn't add it because it's not like, it's not as, there's not as many facts about it, but man, it just, that song really just changed. It was like, oh, I'm a fan of this band now. Now I'm a fan. I can get it now. All right. Uh, least favorite song on the record, Rosie? <sighs> Sheila, take a bow. Yeah, that's why I, I think it's just over and over. Sheila, 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 take a bow. Da 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 da. It just keeps going. It's redundant to me. I don't hate the song. It's just probably my least. You skip over it. That's usually I it's, hate's a strong word. Yeah, we should probably change it to least. Well, least favorite. Least. Favorite. Yeah, I think that and ask are my two. You don't like I, ask. I like ask, <laughs> dude. I'm trying to get some ask tonight. Let no, me tell I, you guys. I like ask. It just it gets after you've heard it. Somebody just like ask right. me, ask me, ask me. I love it. I just right. don't like it as much as the others. Bum bum bum. That's why you got it's me. The bum bum bum. bum. All right, now I'm very curious about this one. What song on this record would you fuck to? Hand in glove, all the people say, and the people say, I really don't care if it ends up. I'm trying to think, like, uh, that, God. No hand in glove, no love. I started something I could not finish. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be, <laughs> mine would be, please, 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 let me get what I want because it's perfect. It's the amount of time that I need, about two minutes. It's quick. It's easy. Perfect. Fuck it. Fuck it. I am a selfish style, lover. Just, oh, <laughs> doggy style. You just sit there begging. The times for two minutes. Uh, and then last question, and I can't thank you enough, Rosie. This is just you're you're I really. I loved it. This dude, is so much fun. You so much fun. you you've still to this day made one of my favorite Christmas Instagram videos of you like popping up and like and like jumping <laughs> sure. around. I want you to post it every year because I watched it about a hundred times. I have looked, to do that. I love those things. You really, it was great. It was great. And also, much like much like me, I feel like you're a Jew that loves Christmas more loves. than fucking Hanukkah can suck it, dude. Compared Christmas, to fucking. Baby. Morty's all Hanukkah. Morty's, no, no, no. Morty's Listen, all Purim and fucking hey, I, the I, weird I holidays. I DJed your last Christmas party, which, by the way, for Smallville fans, Tom Welling was there, and I played I played some Superman thing, but his wife came up and she's like, anytime you play anything Superman, it works for us. Jessica is awesome. Yeah, it was really it was really sweet. They brought their baby, but yeah, yep. man, you, you're still tight with all those casts, man. It was great. Yeah, Tom and I are really close. We're trying to make a project right now. We're, I can't wait to see what it is. I'm sure everybody out there is freaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it'll be cool. It'll be cool. We're trying to get the rights back. It's a project that I had sold years ago that we're trying to get the rights back. And oh, then, wow. So we'll see what happens. 
All right, so uh, so the last question I always ask is, does this album deserve to be on the 500 greatest albums list, and is it ranked accordingly? What is it, JT? 369. 369. Right. Ooh, right, right. And what's what's right before right before this was Mott the Hoople. Mott the Hoople. Mott. And after this is the Eagles. It's what. Next is Eagles the, the first Eagles' album. first record. Oh, come on. It's way better than the Eagles' first album. They had like one song in the Eagles' first album. talking about Witchy Woman. Desperado, Witchy Woman. No, not Desperado. Desperado's on Desperado. It's got Peaceful Easy Feeling, Take It Easy. You kind of can't miss Take It Easy. And then Witchy Woman. Which I like. I look, I love the Eagles. Yeah. I, I just feel like, God, there's so many albums. I'd like, tell me who number 240 was. I just feel like it's it's such a great album that it deserves to be. I mean, to me, it deserves top hundred for sure. I didn't see that they have. Yeah, I didn't see if they actually did every Smiths. I mean, I'll take your word for it. No, they're all in but, there because I, I pulled that up in the oh, Wikipedia. Did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like I what was I was doing. Say, a little... All the big star records are on, but then all the police records except Zenyatta Mandata. So it's really bizarre what they decided wasn't big in there, which is their big, which is the album that broke them. But then all the Smiths albums. You know what I mean? That's like kind of it's 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 not that I disagree with it because I'm a huge. Smith I think fan. it's you know what I think it is, Morty. From what I'm realizing about this band, it's the legend, yeah, of the Smiths. It's not their music. It's the legend of this band. Four this band, albums, and but also, dude, it's because they won't get back together. Yeah. That is why. That's all stuff that figures into this where people, you know, because you know they're never going to make another record. There's no way in fucking hell they'll ever make another record. So so it's just like what we have is what we have, and the lyrics are like this, and Johnny Marr's doing this, and that's over here, and, and he's throwing flowers and shit. So, yeah, dude, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. This was great. This uh, is so much fun. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really know I, I have anything to say, but I said some. So. You did great. Uh, promote <laughs> away, buddy. What, what do you got to promote? Uh, you know, just right now, listen to the podcast. Uh, it's called Inside You with Michael Rosenbaum. You could watch it on YouTube if you want to watch us, or you could listen to it on Spotify or anywhere you get podcasts. It's called Inside You with Michael Rosenbaum. And also, my band just came out with an album. It's called Sunspin is the name of the album, uh, name of the band. Sunspin. You can go to sunspin.com, book us on Zooms, uh, get merch, uh, buy the record, book uh, us for shows, all that stuff. But it's so uh, we're doing well and we're having fun. We play uh, Stage It's. Every last Saturday of the month, we play two shows. So go to stageit.com and type in Sunspin and, and come listen to us. I think it'll be Shout out to Rob Danson, too, your partner. Shout out band. to Rob Danson, yeah. my musical partner. Can we play uh, one of the tracks on one of these episodes, like at that the means. end of the episode? I love that. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Morty, yeah, go- choose one. I think you'll dig it. Yeah, oh, B and please. I have been listening, so prepare for that. Speaking of which, B and Daddy Cartoons, you might see one of those pop up sooner or later. Uh, on Instagram, B and Daddy Cartoons, where we sing together stuff that we grew up with, a lot of the 500 songs. Follow me on uh, DJ Morty Coil on Twitter and on uh, Clubhouse. If you're on there, look at me. I'm always up late on there. Check it out Tuesday nights with Fokker Force 5 on Facebook Live with all the guys doing the Kibitz Room, essentially online for hours, like what Michael does. Uh, and please check it out. And a shout out to my friend Ben Eisen, who is all-time top 10. He has a podcast, but he follows us. He's always telling me which episodes he likes. Shout out to Ben Shannon, all-time top 10 at Twitter. And uh, shout out to all the other Fleece Army people. You guys, we really love reading all the information. We hope that we can be half as nice as Michael is to his fans. And we literally will be half as nice. <laughs> and I cuss it when I cuss at him earlier. I'm like, I'm We're only going to be half as nice. <laughs> half. I, dude, I, they, they hate me. 
Call Some him morbid. Them call him strange. Call me morbid. Call me Guys, strange. I am a I am a beautiful flower that is wilting through <laughs> yes. your through your Apple podcast comments. Yeah, he takes it, guys. He takes it. He takes it really heavy. He's gonna start wearing black and writing it Dizengoff on the wall. But just so <laughs> you guys know, we really do. We we love the Fleece Army. We really do appreciate everything we do. you guys I do. that you guys do, and we look forward to you guys helping and 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 spreading it on Twitter and doing it out there. We have so many great guests. Michael, man, Josh, yeah, dude. this is great. JT, what do you got? At JT underscore podcast exec. And next chapter podcast is at NC Podcasts, and we're doing Macbeth and Shakespeare still. So that's what we're promoting right now. This was great, Mike. Thank you so much, buddy. Dude, I loved every bit of it. Anytime, have me back. And thank you guys, man. Thanks for having me. What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Michael Rosenbaum. Follow him on Twitter at Michael Rosenbaum and on Instagram, the Michael Rosenbaum. And check out his podcast inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. All right, guys, for new music this week, we have picked out Glass Vegas, a Scottish indie rock band from Glasgow, whose 2009 debut record was nominated for the Mercury Music Prize, which you know I respect. And you're listening to their song, My Body is a Glass House. Find the links on the500podcast.com. And if you want your music featured on the 500, send us your music. I want to play it at the end of the episode. I'm trying to help you guys. We have a huge following. This, this podcast gets 19 million listeners an episode. Next week is Eagles Week. Holy shit. First Eagles record. We're going deep into the 1972 record. Eagles. It's the debut. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What you gonna do when you debut, boo? If you haven't heard it, listen to it. Do your homework. Stay fleecy. Doogle, doogle.
This is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Next Chapter Podcasts.